My response to police officers is often really kind of dictated about the situation in which I find myself. Is it true of you too? I mean, do you kind of view uh, the men in blue and the women in blue on your circumstances or their reality? When I'm in a hurry and I'm speeding and I'm going down, I'm hoping that I hope there's no cops out here, right? My response when you see one is like, oh no, yikes, there's a cop. But when the person who is next to me is clearly breaking the law, what are you saying? Where are the police? What are they doing? Are they having a donut somewhere? What is going on? How come they're not out here pulling this knucklehead over? It's interesting how much I could quickly turn from my stuff to theirs. A family member who's a cop tells a story, and I love this story. I'm sure it's like one of the most random stories he could tell. He's got a lot of good ones. But he was sitting at a a, a traffic light. Um, It's kind of a big intersection. And it's a traffic light that when it turns red, there's an arrow uh, that says no right-hand turn on red. It's very clear. It's like right there. You can't turn on red. So it had turned red. He is the first in line waiting to turn right. And the guy behind him wants to turn right as well. And he's frustrated. Come on, man, turn right. He's riding right. Come on, buddy. You can look behind him and see his hands up. He's yelling at him, turn right. Will you turn right already? He doesn't. He sits there. Eventually, the light turns green. He just pulls out into traffic, and this guy behind him zooms out around him. He probably tells him he's number one in a certain amount of things, you know. Zooms by him, and all of a sudden, unmarked car, flip on the lights. Why does that make me so happy? (laughs) Why? It's like, yes, you know. I'm like, did you give him a really big ticket? And he's like, no, I I didn't give him a ticket. What do you mean he didn't give him a ticket? You have a chance right there. Man, I love that story. Again, depending on what side of the law I find myself determines my view of law enforcement at that time. When I'm that self-righteous, law-abiding driver, I'm hoping to see others pulled over. But now when I'm this lead-footed, I can't wait. I got to get there. I'm hoping that they're nowhere in sight. You see, I think the reality is not just with law enforcement, It's with all authority and even with Jesus. Our view of Jesus often changes depending on our circumstances too. Is it true with you? I mean, that view of who Jesus is. When I'm in trouble and when I'm in need uh, and when things are bad, I mean, I'm crying out to Jesus and I want him. I mean, I want him to come and I want him to come quickly. I want him to fix it. And I want Jesus to show up with all that authority and all that might and all that tenderness and all that care. Man, when things are tough, do I long for that Jesus? But honestly, when things are kind of going okay or I'm doing what I want to do, especially when I'm doing things I want to do that he might not like or he's not into, I'm like, Jesus who, right? Jesus who? It's amazing how quickly I can have him in that rear view mirror. This morning, we're going to pick up continuation of last week's sermon in Pentecost. It's Peter's sermon. It's like the first recorded New Testament sermon for us. Uh, And he is going to tell them that the Holy Spirit has just come upon the church. He's preaching to the church. And by the way, in Acts 2, when he says he's preaching to the church, he's preaching to everybody. At the point, at this point in time, this is all those who kind of believed in the reality that Jesus was this Messiah that was just getting going. 
and, and the Father had promised that the Holy Spirit will be poured out. Joel, the prophet, a long time ago said that God is going to send forth in these last days in which we're in, he's going to send forth his spirit. And it's not going to just come to the, the royal folks or the, the, the powerful folks. It's going to come to all of us, our sons and our daughters, our slaves. I mean, anybody. It's going to be amazing. So the question was, what's going on? Jesus is resurrected. We got the Holy Spirit now. And, and Peter is explaining to them, let me tell you what's going on. And I love this reality. This is important. The Holy Spirit just comes. But what does Jesus, what does Peter talk about? The Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit's job is to magnify the Son. The Holy Spirit's job is to help us see Jesus and understand his word. So what happens is, now Peter starts preaching says, let me tell you what's going on. Let me explain who this Jesus really is. This Jesus, and you're going to see this in the text, this Jesus (coughs) whom you crucified, this Jesus that (coughs) was nailed to the cross, guess what about this Jesus? He is the Lord. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the promised one. Now, okay, put yourself in that room right now. Here they are, Just being told, by the way, let me tell you who this Jesus really is. Right? And by the way, his death you're responsible for. Uh, We all are, our sins. And you crucified him. This is God's anointed one. This is God's promised one. This is God's Messiah. You crucified him. So guess what the response is? What do we do? What do we do? I mean, this is like that, that, You didn't recognize that it was a cop? I mean, you're doing more than blowing the horn and trying to... You took him down. What do we do? So we're going to look at two really very important things this morning in this little sermon that Peter preaches. Two things. What we need to know. What should we know? What What we should know about this Jesus and what we need to do. So let's pick up Peter's sermon in Acts chapter 2. Again, we started the beginning of this last week. We're going to read uh, verses 22 through 41. Uh, This incredible, inerrant word of God. As I read, let's just be mindful that this is God's word that he has given to us to shape us, to make us more like Christ. So for us to really know who he is and what we are called to do. Hear the word of the Lord. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up. Loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David said concerning him, he's now going to quote David in the Psalms, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades, or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the path of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. 
Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would not set one of it, that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and all that we are and, and of that we are all witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into heaven, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, again quoting Psalms, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him, Jesus, both Lord and Christ. This Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourself from this crooked generation. So those who received the word were baptized, and there were added that number about 3,000 souls. That's a sermon. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for this recorded sermon from Peter and your holy word. We thank you for how it tells the story of who this Jesus is. And God, your spirit was there to make it clear to the hearers that they were both in awe and terrified. And they cried out, what should we do? God, we join that sermon this morning through the power of your spirit And we ask that you would do what you did so long ago. That you would give each of us eyes to see who this Jesus really is. And what we should know about him. And God, not only that, that you would help us through the power of your spirit of how we should respond to him. I think about the assurance of pardon that we read together this morning. That told us way back in Ezekiel that you would remove a heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh you would give us that ability to rightly see who you are. God, would you do that this morning? The things that I say that are true and contain the good news of the gospel, oh Lord, use those things to make us more like your son, our savior, Christ Jesus. And the things that I say that are wrong or merely my opinion, may those things fall away and be forgotten. We pray that you and you alone receive glory and that we would receive great challenge. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. It's interesting, the structure of Peter's sermon is very typical of the New Testament sermons. Typically they'll say, this is the time. The time has come. 
The time has come. And then it will tell you a little bit about Jesus' life, his death and his, his resurrection. And it says in this text, the great works which he did. Now listen, God proved that this was the Messiah through what Jesus did. And then typically in this New Testament sermon, uh, what would happen would be they would link to the Old Testament. This is proof. And it happened in this, you know, you maybe didn't recognize, but what Peter was doing, by the way, this uneducated fisherman was doing, he knew God's word enough that he was reaching back to Psalm 16. He was reaching back to Psalm 110. He was reaching back to Psalm 132. And he's saying all these things pointed to the reality that this Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, that he is Lord. And then all the sermons will have, they'll tell you, this is the time, this is who Jesus is, this is the proof in scripture, and by the way, your response is to repent and believe. So what is it that we are to know? So let's begin with that. What is it that we should know? I love how Peter begins his sermon. He kind of tells us about Jesus in terms we can all relate. Jesus of Nazareth. So why is that significant? Well, we know that it, it, it was prophesied in Scripture uh, that he would be from that area. But Jesus of Nazareth, this man, I think it's really important that we see Jesus like you and me. Someone who is fully man. I love it. Again, three times in this text it's going to say this Jesus. It's important for us to know this Jesus. How do we know him as a man? It's important. You've got to know him like you Know him, Jesus, as your brother. This is how the writer of Hebrew describes Jesus. That he is not ashamed to call us his brother. Jesus is not so big and mighty and eternal that he can't relate to us. He loves us. He loves us in the most intimate terms that he wants to know us as a friend. He wants us to know us as brother. He wants to be able to relate to us that way. The book of uh, Hebrews will say that Jesus was made like us in every way. Fully man. Fully being tempted. Going through your junk. My junk. He experienced it all. Why? Scripture will say so he can sympathize with us. So he can relate to us. So he knows what we are going through. Know Jesus as your brother and man. Do you know him that way? I mean, when you pray to him, obviously, you just he's, he's the resurrected Savior. And sometimes we think about the grandness and the bigness of God, and we should think about those things. And sometimes we forget the humanity of Jesus. He experienced your stuff. He knows it. And he knows you. So we know Jesus, the man, as a brother, as he's experienced us. We can relate to him, right? But there's more than that. He's not just any brother. He's our big brother. And a big brother who perfectly represents us. Now, let me tell you, according to the, the story of the Bible, this is really important. When God gave the commandments to man and told us how we live, guess what? Now listen to this. A man has to fulfill those requirements. So Jesus had to be fully man. I mean, when God says, you got to do this to live, somebody had to do it. And it couldn't just be deity. It had to be humanity. Humanity had to fill it. Not only that, so, so here we have that there were requirements by God, holy God made for man, that only a man could fulfill. If Jesus isn't fully man, it didn't work. But there's the other side of this, is that a man has to pay the penalty for death. It had to be a man. So as our big brother, picture him. As our big brother, he did what we failed to do. 
He did. He, he fulfilled the law, all the requirements of holy God. He did for us. And the wrath that was poured out on, on him on the cross was the wrath that we deserve as our big brother. There's our big brother who came and fought the greatest bully ever, Satan himself, death himself. And he wins and he conquers. I love that big brother. Don't you want a big brother who says, man, I can, my, my brother can, my big brother, can, he, he, can, he can take you out. My big brother, he, he, I'm telling you, you don't want to mess with my big brother. I'm telling you, you might whoop me, but my big brother, you can't touch him. That's your big brother, Jesus. No matter what you're going through, that's the big brother, Jesus. You got to know him as a man. You got to know him as a man who relates to you and represents you. It's such a beautiful thing. He fights our battles. And guess what? He wins them. <laughs> All right, we got to know Jesus as the Messiah. Some of you who maybe have the NIV, when I read this, it's either translated the Christ or the Messiah. Typically in the Old Testament, it's more of the word of Messiah, the anointed one, the promised one, the one who's going to come and rescue. Um, in the Greek, it's the Christos, this anointed one, um, uh, is, is Jesus as well. And when it says that Jesus is the Christ, remember, Christ is not his last name. Christ is a title. It's saying Jesus is the Messiah. He is the long-awaited promised one to come and make all things new. That is who he is. You can never know Jesus as Messiah or Christ without knowing who we are as sinners. That we're sinners. Uh, this is the Messiah. And I, I love it that, that Peter will say, by the way, who was crucified by lawless men. The Greek word there is like those apart from the law. He's probably focusing on the Romans. He's saying, you know, that Pontius Pilate guy, they, they crucified him, those lawless people. Um, they did this to him. But also we know that it was a crowd cheering for him. And Peter's not going to let anybody off the hook. He said, by the way, you crucified him. You crucified him. Now, wait a minute. They might want to say, well, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, maybe I yelled, crucify him. Maybe I was there. Maybe I didn't put up a fight. But did really, I didn't drive in the nails. I, I, I didn't do it. And Peter didn't let us off the hook. He says, no, 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 you crucified the Messiah. Unless you know the reality of your sin, that it was our sin that he wore. It was, we were the ones. He came to die. He came to die for our sins. In many ways, it was our sin that was put on him. I love 2 Corinthians 5.21. God took him who knew no sin to become our sin so that in him we could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You know, the first time I went to Jerusalem, we got there at night. And we got there at night. We had this cool hotel that was looking out over the city. And again, I'm sure the city's changed quite a bit since when Jesus was there. But Jesus was there. And as I was there that night, I, I had this feeling, it was, it was weird that, that I had been there before. Now, now listen, I, I, I don't believe in time travel. I don't think I'd live the life another time or any of that nonsense. But I, I realize if scripture is true, and I believe it is, if scripture is true, then God put my sin, my sin was there on the cross 2,000 years ago. And he paid the price fully. So the only way you know Jesus is the Christ. The only way you know him as the Messiah is you know yourself as sinner. If you know yourself as sinner, you've got to know yourself personally as sinner. That, that, this is not just like, oh yeah, he died on the cross. No, no. 
He died on the cross for me. No, 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 no. My sins were there. He, he hung there for my wrath that I deserve from a holy God. Is it personal with you? Do you know Jesus as your Savior? I think Spurgeon says something along these lines. If you have looked to the cross and not weeped, you've never seen it. If you have looked to the cross and not been moved by the reality that the innocent one was pierced for you, you don't know him. You don't know yourself. Now, don't let that freak you out because there's plenty of times I think about the cross, I'm not crying. But the reality is, is it should move us deeply. And the only way you know him as Savior is you know that you're a sinner. You know, uh, when it comes to uh, having cops in the family, it's, it can be beneficial. Especially when uh, my, my family member was uh, pretty high up in Orange County. Anytime I got pulled over around here, my first, and again, not that it happens a lot. But my first reaction is, you know, he's asking for my license. And the first thing is, I'm going to get my brother-in-law's name out there as fast as I can. Hey, by the way, do you know, you know my brother-in-law? Here's his, his name. And then I'm like, D -d don't you probably report to him? He's way up there, isn't he? You know, I mean, I'm, I'm working it like crazy to try to get out of something I probably deserved. Using a name to get you set free. Well, it wasn't 100%. It was better, it was better than 50-50. Let me just tell you that right now. But the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus is our Savior. Listen, for all your troubles, all your, all the shame, all the brokenness, all the guilt, all that the enemy wants to load on you, the name of Jesus as your Savior. It is that now, we've got to be careful here. It is a get-out-of-jail-free card for us. I mean, it does save us and rescue us. But let's don't make that free thing what it's not. Because, listen, the only way that you and I are ever forgiven, the only way we are ever made free, is that somebody had to pay the price. Someone had to die. And so it wasn't cheap grace, right? I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't just flippant, yeah, your sins are forgiven. The only way a holy father can love and forgive us is he had to place his holy son on the cross for us and burn his wrath upon him so that his holiness and justice stayed intact and his mercy was made new. That's the beauty of the gospel. Do you know Jesus as Christ, as Messiah? And the only way you do is you know yourself as sinner. But there's more than that. You got to know him as a man, your brother and big brother. You got to know him as Messiah. But there's more. You got to know him as Lord. Um, and Lord here is such a weighted language. And again, we read some of this and say, well, what is, what is David using some obscure verses in the Psalms? Because here's what he's doing. When Jesus is Lord, what he's saying is, this is the long-awaited king. God made a promise to King David that through his line there'd be a greater David coming, a greater king. And this king would sit on the throne forever. He said that this king is going to rule the rightful king of Israel. According to the Bible, the rightful king of Israel will rule more than Israel. He's going to rule the world. He's going to be the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And this is it. And so what Peter is doing, he's saying, let's look back and the reality that when David was giving us Psalm 16, it's talking about that his body wouldn't see corruption, that he wouldn't be in Hades. He wasn't talking about himself. Peter's like, we got his tomb right here. This was clearly, he's talking about Jesus. When he says, 
my Lord said, to, the Lord said to my Lord, it's an interesting thing out of Psalm 110. It's like Yahweh, the name Yahweh says to David's Messiah, my Lord Jesus, sit at my right hand. Here's the point. The point is, Jesus of Nazareth, this man, this humble man, this, this, this man that really, I mean, wasn't much to look at. He was the promised Messiah. And he is the long-awaited king. He is Lord. And this is where things got dicey in Rome. Because only Lord was Caesar. And to say that Jesus is Lord... Well, what is it really saying? That he is sovereign over the world, that he is fully God. And Jesus as Lord has full authority over our lives. So do you know him as Lord? If you know him as Lord, here's the reality. We submit to him as Lord. You know, you don't negotiate with him. You come and you kneel before him. Uh, You live your life in submission to Christ your king, and you live your life on mission for Christ our king. I use that all the time. It's part of our DNA here. Living in submission to Christ our King, living on mission for Christ our King. Uh, The beautiful reality is this, is that Scripture will say in Romans 10 verse 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. Did you hear that? There's such a loaded statement. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you're confessing that you believe that Jesus of Nazareth is more than a man. And as a matter of fact, He's even more than the Messiah, the Christ. He is the king. If you can say that, if you believe that Jesus is the king, and you believe in that incredible miracle that God raised him from the dead, Romans 1.4 says, through that resurrection, God declares with power that Jesus is the king. You should be saved. Isn't that amazing grace? So it's this Jesus. We've got to know this Jesus. I love it. It says, let's look at verse 23. This Jesus delivered up. Um, I don't think it was 23, by the way. I think I gave you the wrong text there. This Jesus, yeah, 23, delivered up. Now, delivered up means he gets to the cross. And here's, there's something we just got to spend a minute on because it's so beautiful. It says he was delivered up. Now, here's this, according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. The cross, you ready for this? It was God's idea. The cross, the plan all along. When God says he so loved the world that he, that he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life, the only way that becomes a reality is through the cross. And this tells us this amazing mystery, and I'm not going to be able to solve it perfectly for you, but here's a mystery, that Jesus was delivered up according to the definite, sovereign, eternal plan of God. And by the way, he was crucified by lawless men. You know what this is saying? That God's plan for our salvation, it was his idea and at the cross. It's only at that cross where just God's justice and mercy can meet. But it was also the place where we are responsible. God is fully in control. We are completely responsible for our sins. Was it God's plan? It was. Did it have to happen this way? It did. Was it their fault because they delivered over Jesus? It was. I mean, the guilt's on our hands. It's all God's plan. Now listen, that's the predestined plan of God versus the free will of of man colliding together. But I'm going to tell you, it's scriptural. And if you want to know a God who's not in control of all things, you don't want to know that God. You want to know a God of scripture, the God who's true, the sovereign God who there's not one atom outside of his control. And yet man is still responsible. That's That's a mystery of God, but it's a truth of God. This one delivered up. God's plan 
our guilt, our responsibility. This God, God raised him up. Again, according to scripture, I love what Peter does. He says, listen, no one saw that this was coming this way, but he's now connecting the dots of scripture. He says, we're all witnesses. Remember, Jesus appeared more than 500. All right, so what should we know? Do you know Jesus is a man? Do you know him as the Messiah? Do you know him as Lord? And what should we do? The first thing is repent. Turn around. Repent here is a complete about face. It's a turn around from the direction you're going. All right, who's got the new album? Who's got Kanye West's new album? Anybody it dropped this week? Pop icon. We got one customer in the back. I love you, bro. Pop icon rapper Kanye West came out with a new album this week, all right? You ready for the title of it? Jesus is King is the new album that he has come out with. Now, listen, I'm not hip enough to know this stuff. I want you to know that. If I didn't have kids this age, I would have no idea. I had to work on his name. How do you pronounce his name again? Kanye West, Kanye West. Because I'm not cool. Despite this outfit, I'm not. But as soon as I heard he came out and he was going to make a Christian album, my first thought was, I mean, how, how many of y'all think, I mean, I mean, let me ask a question. How many of y'all thought, praise Jesus for this conversion? You skeptical people. <laughs> how many of you just started to say, you know, wait, wait, well, let's just wait and see. Let's wait and see. See if it bears fruit. You know, the guy made an album, Jesus is King. And, and you know what scares me the most is not Kanye West. You want to know what scares me the most? We do. Because we're either going to say to this guy, be Billy Graham and don't mess up. Be clear with your theology. You better learn it quick. You better make sure your life is cleansed up. Let's give the guy grace. Let's give the guy, listen, I'm not here promoting Kanye West or his album, but I'm just going to say the guy has had some kind of turnaround that's pretty much an about face that I think is more important about you and me. That when you come to Christ, it's an about face. It's repent. It's repent from the direction you're heading. Repent as you as Lord, that your will be done. Repent. Repent and submit to one who's greater than you. Your king, your Messiah, your big brother. Repent. And you know, repentance and believing, it starts off our salvation. We are justified, declared not guilty when we repent and believe. Incredible. But the Christian life should be marked with repenting and believing every moment, every day of our life. You know what what Christian life is about? Repent and believe. (laughs) Repent and believe. I mean, do you not need repenting and believing every day? I mean, are we not sheep prone to wander? Are we not a mess? Do we not forget? I mean, repent and believe is the response always. And it's so gracious. And somehow we would say, maybe if we just clean ourselves up and make ourselves better, he'll love us. No, no, no. All we have to do is repent and believe that Jesus is enough. And then be baptized. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And I think the most important thing, I don't have time here to talk about baptism. Um, There's a lot of controversy about baptism, how much water you use and who gets baptized. But remember, baptism is an external sign of an inward reality. It starts with an inward reality. And if you have that reality in your life, be baptized. And what I want to stress is be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. That's the most important thing. Be baptized in that, that name. What does that mean? Well, he's, you got to be completely baptized into the reality that Jesus is your big brother. Jesus is your Messiah. Jesus is your Lord. Declare that for the world to know. Be baptized. Can't wait. I tell you, I, when I, when I 
my thinking is King's Chapel will be a real church when we start seeing people from our neighborhood here come to Christ. When we start firing up that baptismal. I, I, I've been for 26 years a Presbyterian minister. I don't even know how to use one, but I can't wait to get in there. Maybe we'll just do it this way. I don't know. It doesn't, the amount of water doesn't really matter. But I know what is is when the gospel's preached and people come to know Jesus. It's a beautiful thing. Repent and be baptized. And then he's going to basically say, and save yourself from this crooked generation. Remember, we can't save ourselves eternally. But he's saying, separate yourself from this world. We as his people should be really kind of freakish to the world. We should smell like Jesus. We should think differently, act differently, love differently. Oh my goodness, we shouldn't be so daggum judgmental. We should lead with love and mercy. We should be known by the way we love one another. There should be something so amazingly peculiar about us because there's something so amazingly beautiful about him. And that should be the reality of who we are. And I think that that's save yourself from this crooked generation. It was used in the Old Testament to talk about people who didn't believe. Jesus used it himself to talk about the people who didn't believe him. Peter's entire sermon was focusing upon the reality of who Jesus is now as the resurrected Savior. Who is Jesus to you? As we close, who is he to you? Who is he? Is he all these things? And how you respond to who Jesus is, it now, listen, it not only changes your eternal destiny, it changes your moment-to-moment life. Is Jesus your friend, your brother, your big brother? Is Jesus your Savior, your Messiah, the Christ? Is Jesus your Lord? Let's pray.